talk about something that I've noticed as a pattern within myself and that uh, I believe that talking about will allow other women oh. <laughs> will allow other women to recognize the same pattern within themselves and better understand why the pattern is unsatisfying and what to do to get out of that pattern. There is a handsome man who I have known for more than a decade, who I met in person, who when I am running away from him, when I am pushing him away, he is so interested. He wants to hear all my thoughts. But the minute that I turn around and tell them to him, for more than one afternoon of conversation over text at a time and the thing is is we both make comments about wanting to video chat but it never seems to become a reality and he also makes comments about wanting to come from out of state and spend time with me in a hotel and the thing is is I've expressed to him probably more clearly than most a number of times how my value system has changed since my early 20s. In my early 20s, I was very much so in a mental space of I'm never going to get married. Um, I don't believe that I can find one person who can be a good match for me. And that was that was when I met him. And the thing is, is I ended up having multiple other long-term relationships. One, one is with my daughter's father and that, that turned out not great. Um, happy for him that he is now married and seems to be living a life that is more what he wants. Um... I have dated a number of people. The thing is, is that they've all been long-term, long-distance relationships. And the most recent one has been with a man who lives an hour and a half away. And, you know, at the beginning, I had this feeling like, oh, this can work. You know, we can talk over text. We can video call. We can call. But the thing is, is there is this learned helplessness in the masculine, the average masculine who has not done intentional container work, intentional attention work. And I can riff now on the reasons why I can riff that. It's partially rooted in the way that we have masculated men, that we have no examples of masculine containment, which is that which holds the space for the creation to bloom. Um, there is depth, but there is not a sustained time for the container to be held. 
And in this third dimensional plane, where our bodies are still operating, we have to hold the pose. And that's the thing, is it's, it's the holding of the pose that ends up creating that sense for the feminine that this person is the right person. Otherwise, there is immediately this, oh, fuck, I tricked myself again. Fuck, I let myself believe that this was going to be different this time. And it's for me, and I imagine because I know that what I, I talk about in my experience with my parents is not uncommon. Um, I'm a millennial. Um, and I was raised by very forward-thinking parents who did not have typical gender roles, who, when I look at them, are very much so the gender and the energy of their body. My mother is feminine at her core. My father is incredibly masculine at his core. But they switched roles. And I watched how unsatisfying it was for them and how it ruined their relationship very early on. And I'm glad that they are friends now. Um, for their sake. <laughs> uh, I don't really have a good relationship with either of them. Um, my father is more than absent and beyond, you know, going to him for a loan when I was going to get my most recent certification, which is constantly above my head. Like, why have I not made that money fully back to set, like, to pay him back? And should I start paying him, like, smaller amounts, you know, like you do with a credit card? And my mother... I I've had a lot of conflicted feelings about my mother. My mother is a beautiful woman who never once took in a compliment that I gave her. It would often result in a fight between us about values and how being pretty isn't a thing that she cares about. And it was her way of deflection. And I'm saying this because in an effort to champion feminism and in an effort to be seen as equal and, e and, and, and human, the pendulum has swung too far and I know I piss off a lot of feminists <laughs> when I say this, but we've emasculated men and we have not, as much as I understand and I see and I feel certain people who indeed do have very prominent and balanced 
feminine and masculine energy within them and identify as non-binary. Though this is the thing is a lot of the people who I feel have this prominent dance within their interior world are not often identifying as non-binary. Sometimes they do. But I feel it in people who also still identify with the gender of their body, the sex of their body, and who have enhanced that dominant energy in their body, either by leaning into how testosterone presents or how estrogen like processes and this is where the theory of estrogen dominant and and uh, testosterone dominant body systems comes from for me is these years and years and years of watching the cognitive dissonance and the results of that cognitive dissonance because of a rejection of masculine and feminineness because of an aversion to the way that men and women, female and male, masculine and feminine have been labeled and perceived and this desire to rewrite what that means. But in the process, they throw out the whole concept instead of reclaiming the concepts and remaking them into a manner that provides the outcome that they're wanting, which is deeper connection, which is a sense of satisfaction in their relationships, which is a sense of the ability to dance between the polarities that are present within them in a way that is satisfying and healthy. And I mention all of this because we get glimpses. And that's why I mentioned this guy at the beginning. He is the most beautiful glimpse I get every once in a while of what it would be like if I was fully held in masculine containment. And I've told him this. But the thing is, is after I start to feel that and I start to lean into it, it goes away. That feeling inverts and I end up having to recognize that the feeling I'm wanting cannot bloom into full expression other than directly in front of me in the physical. And... We seem to have forgotten this in some sort of way. And I I often theorize that it is rooted in the ways that I, I didn't feel held. I didn't feel recognized. I felt humiliated and abandoned any time I attempted to 
open up as a child. Um, and this is not an uncommon experience, especially not for a millennial born to a boomer. Um, born to boomers. Um, we are leading the way. Well, I guess you could say that the earlier, like, cuspers <clears throat> of Gen X, um, led the way, but they, they live a little differently. They have the autonomy down in a way that a lot of millennials do not. And that is a gift of their childhood that is sort of a dark box gift, but There are some in that generation who have approached empathetic rearing of their children um, in a way that paved the way for the way that millennials and beyond are trying to approach parenting in a more empathetic and holistic manner, in a way that honors the child as the teacher and labels the child as the leader of the dynamic in a sense we we merely mold and form and respond to what the child is able to recognize that they need and we encourage that recognition and that is revolutionary in the sense of parenting uh, especially with the widespread approach to this washing through the human experience in terms of how we parent in the Western world. And it's a response to the way that we felt unheard, unseen, unheld. And I think that this is amplified by the fact that we've gotten so comfortable trying to supplicate ourselves on inadequate connection. We try to get that derivative of, of satisfaction from at distance relationships. We settle with often destructive and soul eating <laughs> in person relationships because we don't know how to get out of where we are and using the internet placates us with the illusion of connection that is real and yes there is the potential but when there is not the physical day-to-day -day, small moments often you can't have those over text. You can't have those over video. Those all have to be supplementary small moments in addition to the consistent small moments that make up a real relationship in real life. And if there's not the ability to put trust and um have a sense of when that physical and I don't mean this in a sexual way though there are definitely sexual parts to this but I would say that it's more the like non-sexual stuff 
that makes these moments. It's the way that It's the way that the person pauses, for me at least, and makes space to tell me about what's going on for them and what's going on for me gets to be received as well. And there gets to be this passing back and forth of the sharing of the small moments and the opening up to the exterior experience of having your interior thoughts held in a consistent way that can be leaned upon, or as I put it, have weight put on it. And to tie this back to where I started, that is what I get a taste of, but ends up feeling all wrong when I really try to open up to this, this man. And he puts it, and other men have put it, as that I don't trust them enough. I don't have faith in them enough. And I, I, I used to take that in. I used to take that in as there's something wrong with me. And yes, I can trace it to the way that I was parented. But I've been doing so much inner work that... At this point, I have to honor myself that I have done a lot of work. And that's why, at the end of it, when I recognize that I am starting to try to put weight on something that hasn't earned that openness, that isn't in front of me in real life, I am violating myself because that is the imprint that I got very early on when I was searching for validation, searching for support, searching to feel loved by someone. And I've had men tell me that, or guys I've dated tell me that, that's because I'm not opening to them, I'm not trusting them, I'm not allowing them the space and time. <laughs> but at a certain point, there is this need to recognize and to honor that I did follow their lead. I did put trust in them. I did communicate to them what I was feeling. I did offer them what I could. And it's those moments when I'm sent analyzing every little tiny thing I said or didn't say. The way that I didn't respond in a certain period of time. The way that I responded too quickly. The way that I told too much. The way that I told too little. And I've realized I have to honor something. And I've realized that if those who are ladies who identify as female, who live in estrogen-dominant bodies, can truly embrace this fact. That when we feel this incredible, like, fuck, I just violated myself by opening up like that. 
and you feel like that after opening up to a guy over text there's a reason why you feel like that and it's because you are opening up to someone who is not actually present with you and we got used to that we got used to opening up to try to entice our parents in order to see us and hold us and be with us. But the fact is, is that dance does not work correctly when we chase the energy. And whenever you're not face to face with a man as you are opening your heart up to him, and he has an expectation of having sex with you before really developing that full day-to-day -day life experience like relationship of small moments that are not sexual per se but are affection based that are of the I'm going to provide in every moment of your life a safe context for you to turn to me and open up then it's something that I, I have to acknowledge I am choosing to violate myself in the same way that I felt forced for survival's sake to violate myself as a child to open up to parents who were not actually present with me And it's so easy to get into that pattern. And it's so easy to carry that pattern into your adult life. And actually, that, that's where the program that I have put together is rooted in, is, is this dance that I see so many women living out. So many women who are... Wondering why they get attention, but then when they really start to open up, they feel just dropped on their ass. And it creates a resentment, it creates a bitterness. And I want to encourage you to contemplate that. Do you resonate with this? Do you, does this feel familiar? Because if it does, then the issue is, is that you're trying to put weight on someone who's not committed to being present with you. You are a passing fancy that they enjoy taking a sip of every once in a while, but they don't actually want the whole thing. They don't want all of the small moments that culture you into opening up. They just want you to play out. And this isn't like a, <laughs> I'm going to make her do this. This is an unconscious pattern that they have as well. We were raised as a collective in ways that are lost essentially we were raised by lost parents because they were mostly raised by nannies or with 
inadequate presentation of what really holding each other in relationship is and looks like, moves like, sounds like, tastes like, feels like, you know, all those good things. But we didn't get the modeling. And there is no healthy modeling without deeply seeking it out after doing some serious soul searching. But that's what I'm offering. A pathway from activation into abundance. And there are four pillars in this program. The three support the fourth because without all three, you cannot step into a place of abundance radiating from you. Being abundance, being in that prosperous experience. But the key that we are missing is the autonomy piece. And I say that very intentionally as an, as autonomy because we never really received the support in order to become truly autonomous and to truly trust that when someone isn't actually present in real life with us, that someone else will be. But that's the key in autonomy is when you are content within the pleasure you bring yourself. When you are satisfied within the life and connections that are non-sexual within your life, that is when you finally have the capacity and the ability to recognize and hold out for the unfolding of the time that it takes in those small, often small things, often moments that aren't rooted in sexuality but are rooted in true bids for connection that precede any interest in a sexual connection. That we find we actually hold out and say no more and more and more in honorance of the yes that we know will inevitably come. It is that faith in the eventual there will be someone who comes along if we just stop chasing the breadcrumbs from the people who just give us a taste. Or who are never going to come across the country to live with you. And I say this as someone who has gotten so wrapped up and connections that I was convinced it was going to end in us being together in real life. But connections made at a distance are comfortable often because they are at a distance and they allow us to retain the appearance of what was already familiar while playing with, in moments, the escape. 
and no true love ever really occurred from escaping your life. I can say this as someone who escaped my life many times. And there was always this feeling of it eating at me. And I know, I know there are certain people who have. They fall on left, but there is a different quality to that. And you found people in that new life, in your real life, in your f- interactions day to day that show you that there is genuine connection in that new life that you didn't have in the other one. And that's the key. That's always the key. It's the in-person connecting. It is the in-person showing up for those small moments. It is the timeline of how the person responds to your bid for connection. That determines whether or not this is going to be a satisfying long-term in-person relationship where you are capable of holding polarity and dancing back and forth in that polarity in a sustainable, real relationship way. In a way that can blossom into the ideals we have for marriage and long-term commitment. And it is rooted in that we must become autonomous and we must stop offering bids of connection to people who are not in front of us. And it isn't about that we can't trust it. It's about like so many men on the internet want to paint it as, but until you are physically in front of me, And we have established that day-to-day support and affection being part of and a priority in both of our lives. Why am I opening up to you sexually? Why would I want a passing weekend of passionate connection that isn't really connecting? When what I truly want is the mundane affections. What I truly want. Is those moments of discussing the silly little details of my life. In a way that creates clarity and share that mutually. Maybe it's my sixth house Venus. Sixth, seventh house. I can, because of my, the like Placidus, like yanks my chart pretty much an entire house over. (laughs) I have a, Eighth and second house interception. 
that's what this is rooted. And I was, I was listening to this wonderful man, um, Colin Bedell's, uh, workshop on fourth through eighth house relational astrology and the questions that he asked in there are just brilliant. Uh, I'll link it because sure, let's plug someone else who's fucking awesome. Um, but it's, it's this sense of, we are expected to violate ourselves for breadcrumbs. And if we don't, then we're not receptive enough as a feminine person. And it's like the other hand of prudishness. And I say this as a very sexual person. Sex is incredibly important for me as an expression, as something that I allow myself to enjoy, as something that I lean into, as something that I enjoy sharing. I love talking about sex. I love hearing about sex. There's like nothing about sex from anyone that I could probably like when I'm in my clinician's hat, like not find fascinating and telling about them because sex is fascinating. But it's like men walk around Male identifying men walk around wondering why when they're not in front of us, when they're not, when they haven't already shown up to the degree that actually feels like I can put weight on it before wanting the agreement to involve themselves, myself sexually with them or like. It doesn't, it, it's not satisfying. I end up feeling like I violated myself at the end of the experience. I end up feeling like I sold myself short. And that's the thing is that is so common. That is probably the most common experience within the human experience around love and sex these days. Is we end up feeling like we give too much of ourselves before the person has truly shown up to the degree that would allow us to feel safe and to feel like we were building something instead of just giving something away for free or for less than we wanted for it. We violate ourselves for snippets of affection and sex because that's hookup culture. Even if you're not trying to hook up with people, you are part of a society that has hookup culture at the core of how we engage in our emotional relating with finding a partner. And that's why autonomy is so important And that's why autonomy has to be rooted in stripping back and activating the natural 
desires um, and patterns of connection. We have to dive in and peel away the imprinting we got in childhood around sex and connection and what is enough to make us feel safe so that we stop bearing our souls in a way that ends up making us feel like we just violated ourselves and then we regret doing it and then we resent the person we did it with but the fact is is that the trust is not there on our side because we are not solid within our autonomy and you can recognize that by whether or not you hold your standard to I am not opening up until after I've gotten the day-to-day affection and small things followed through on in a physical in front of me in real life way and that is so hard because we orient so much of our finding a mate to connections we have over the internet through apps and there's this you must show me there's this opposite side of you 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 have to open up and be trusting of me for me to show up and be with you in person and it's like whoa 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 I'm supposed to do that before you do that that's and for a while you end up giving into it and then you wonder why it doesn't go where you want it to because you already gave them the thing that they fucking wanted it wasn't enough of a challenge you didn't hold to your interior boundaries and your standards you did not make sure that you were unavailable for anything less than what you truly wanted. And that is where you abandon yourself and you violate yourself. And that's why you end up regretting it. And that's why you end up resenting the people. And that's why it implodes before it ever begins. So if you're ready to come out of this dance, reach out to me. I'd love to talk more about this topic and how this plays out in your life because this is the impact that I want to make. I want to guide women as they claim back the fullness of how they truly connect with the people that, or the person, because it's not about multiple people. In fact, even a friends group is a small group. You know, you want maybe three to five people in your friends group. How many people can you realistically keep up with on a daily basis in a face-to-face context? You can't keep up with 100 people like that. You can't even keep up with 20 people like that. It's hard enough in a classroom. That's why teachers have favorites, (laughs) you know? It's just a human thing. We only have so much capacity for connection that's why we all need to find the people who are perfectly made for us and that's why you need to honor those no's adamantly until you get to that fuck yes in real life in front of you in a consistent way day to day to day 
because that is what you're really craving. And if you claim that it's anything else, then probably not going to want to work with me. And that's fine. Because I am not looking to work with everyone. I am looking to work with the individual people who I can help through that transformation into claiming and saying no and feeling solid and saying no after no after no after no until they get that yes. And seeing the, the, the sprinkles of that yes they're looking for in those no and see why it's the trail of breadcrumbs they're following but we need that connection in our lives in a consistent way in order to stay solid. Yes, I'm saying it as autonomy because it is determined internally. You can just use me as that validation point of asking you those questions and bouncing off of you the questions that you need to ask yourself. Tone in on that feeling in the gut of your belly. You know if it's a no or a yes. You know if it's a no, but there's just like this glimpse of what you're really looking for. And you can pull that thread and keep it with you as you keep going. So you know more and more and more clarity about that yes you're looking for. But so many of us have never even begun to see even the threads of that yes. We just pushed ourselves to settle. We pushed ourselves to settle because we just didn't want to acknowledge that we were alone. And that's where autonomy comes in. Because if you own your autonomy, then you own that for now, yeah, you're alone. And from that acceptance, you can start to build in people who fill in other roles while holding open the vacuum of space for the person who gives you that in-person fuck yes, that in-person day to day to day, meet you in the middle and connect. Not just when it's convenient for them, but because you are the priority. And from there, you blossom the sexual connection. Look me up at manifestravishment.com. I'd love to hear from you or email me or just message me, respond in a voice message on this, uh, this podcast and I'll engage with you and it'll be great. Um... Anyway, I'm going to hop off here. It's now 7.20 in the morning. Got to get my daughter ready for school here soon, which means I got to get dressed. Anyway, thank you for listening to my ramble. Thank you for all of the delicious comments and feedback ahead of time. And I'm excited to talk with you deeper and work with you. Enjoy. Enjoy.